Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here this weekend. We started a series last weekend called How to Live with Humans Without Losing Your Mind. And uh, in this conversation, uh, over the next few weeks, what we're going to be talking about is our relationships with each other. Uh, I said last weekend, the reason we talk about relationships here at Grace so much is because our relationships with each other are actually tied directly to our relationship with God. Uh, so we don't, we don't really do like self-helpy kind of stuff, like you know, how to have a happy marriage, how to not kill your teenager and all that kind of stuff. You can get that stuff off of Oprah or Dr. Phil, he's always got an opinion about it. Uh, we, we believe that those things run deeper and we believe that our relationship with each other is directly tied and intertwined with our relationship with God. In fact, uh, I said it this way, I put it in your notes, so we cannot, <clears throat> when we think about living with other people, we cannot fully understand Christ without other people being central to our lives and we can't understand other people without Christ being central to our lives. So God is the one who ties those things together. Oftentimes our affection, our passion for God is gonna be displayed through our affection or passion for other people and vice versa. And so it all weaves together. So relationships actually become a very deep, very important, very big spiritual issue that we need to lock into in our lives. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22, a guy came to Jesus and asked him, uh, he said, hey, Jesus, could you like sum it up for me? If you were gonna put, the, put following you into a nutshell, what would you say? And in Matthew chapter 22, he comes, the guy comes, says, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the, in the law? Jesus replied, here it is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And in the book of Mark, he also says your strength. And then he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this very fascinating sentence. He says, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So it's really interesting. It, this is the biggest thing, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second thing is like it, it's connected, it's intertwined, it's looped together. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then that really, really important sentence, all the law, all the prophets hang on those commands. In other words, if you don't lock onto those two commands and understand them, you will not understand the rest of the Bible. You will not understand what it means to follow, know, love, respond to Jesus because it's all tied together. Loving God, loving people is tied together. First John says, you can't hate your brother and love God. <clears throat> you can't do both things. It's impossible because humanity is the object of God's passion and affection. We are the reason that Christ came, he suffered, he died, he rose again, it was all to rescue us. We are connected to God that way, he wants a relationship with us, and so he wants our interactions with each other to reflect and be influenced and defined by our relationships with him. So that's why we talk about this stuff so much, is because it's really the centerpiece of the scripture and the heart of God and uh, the centerpiece of what we're called to do. Now last weekend we started working at this a little bit and we said when it comes to our relationships with each other then, there is an element that we're gonna focus on here for the next few weeks and it's an element that's easy peasy to find in scriptures right there on top and it's the idea of forgiveness. If I'm gonna live with other human beings and not lose my mind, I'm gonna have to learn to forgive, have to receive forgiveness from God and it's all over the Bible. So from the beginning to the end, you're gonna see forgiveness, receiving God's forgiveness, extending forgiveness to other people. And we said, it's not hard at all. Like, I don't, I don't need to work to prove to you that the Bible says we're supposed to forgive each other. It's, it's literally right there on top. It's easy to find. That's not the hard work. 
The hard work is the practical application of that. Like how do I forgive? How do I live in forgiveness? And how do I kind of make that show up in real time in my life? So that's what the series is kind of zeroed in on. If we're gonna live with other human beings and not lose our mind, we have to learn kind of this element of forgiveness. Now last weekend I said there's three pieces. There's kind of some grids, some things that frame out the conversation. I wanna review those real quick before we dig into one of them this weekend. <clears throat> and we said this, when you're thinking about <clears throat> forgiveness, thinking about living it and applying it to each other, three, three things you kind of have to remember to frame it up correctly. First one is this, that forgiveness is not an act as much as it is a habit. Forgiveness is not an act as much as it is a habit. So I will never forgive you just once for something, right? I'm going to have to give, forgive you habitually. Because the idea, we like to say forgive and forget, that's a dumb statement, right? Because we don't forget. We're not wired to forget. So we can forgive, but we don't forget. So that means that when you hurt me or sin against me, I'm going, I can choose to forgive you, but I'm gonna have to make that choice a ton of times over the course of my life. And the number of times that I make that choice is directly correlated to how deeply you wounded me. So if you do something shallow, like bump into my car or something like that, it's, you know, a couple times we're done because I, I, I'm going to move on, you're going to move on. But if you hurt me, if you hurt my family, if you walked out on me when I was a kid, I may spend my life forgiving you. So forgiveness is not an act as much as it is a habit. And we have to kind of see things through that grid. Here's the second thing. The second grid is this, is that at its core, Forgiveness is not about your relationship with other people as much as it's about your relationship with God. Forgiveness is not about your relationship with other people as much as it's about your relationship with God. So I'm able to forgive as I receive the forgiveness of Christ. And when I'm dealing with other people, it's not really what you are doing or not doing to me, it's who God is and what God has done inside of me. I'm not responding to you as much as I'm responding to Him right? And so forgiveness, it's not a relational matter kind of between human being and human being. It's really a spiritual matter between me and God. <clears throat> and then here's the third thing, the third kind of level of the grid is this, that forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not an impulse of emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not an impulse of emotion. So you may or may not feel like forgiving someone, but you can still choose to do it. Right, and that's a, it's a big misnomer we have sometimes. We think, well, I don't, I, not, I don't have the feeling of forgiveness, right? I have to trust my feelings, which by the way, let me just say, never trust your feelings. They lie to you, right? But we trust God's word and I can choose to forgive you even if I don't feel like forgiving you. And sometimes folks will say, well, I can't control my feelings. That's not true actually at all, but another conversation. But you can still choose to act a certain way, and that's good news because you can choose to place your heart and choose to place your mind in a certain direction in life, and that's kind of a key element when it comes to forgiveness. So those three things are important. <clears throat> if you wanna expand on those, you can go uh, out online or open up our app and just hit the message tab in it, and uh, you can listen to that and watch it if you want, but it's a foundational piece that we, we need to put in, in place. What I wanna do this weekend is I wanna dig at that third one that we just talked about, that forgiveness is, is an act of the will, not an impulse of emotion, and I wanna press into that in some real ways and talk about how do we forgive the little stuff in life 
so that it doesn't accumulate on us as we move through life. So when we think about forgiveness, I want you to think about it in layers, okay? So there's a, a layer on the outside that is kind of the, the little stuff. There's the next layer that's kind of legitimate stuff. There's the next layer that is the life-changing injustice. And then the, the core layer is actually me being forgiven by God. So this weekend, we're on purpose only gonna talk about that outer layer, okay? So it's gonna be a very practical conversation. Um, if you grew up in church, you're gonna hear a bunch of passages that you've heard a thousand times but are very hard to implement. And so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that outer layer. It's gonna be very, very helpful for you. So here, but that's what we're gonna focus on. Then we're gonna go deeper every week. Here's the good news about the outer layer. The outer layer of forgiveness, <clears throat> the, the small stuff part of forgiveness, the good news is this, it's the easiest level of forgiveness to deal with. So you can choose the most easily to not sweat the small stuff and to let go of that outer layer. That's the good news. Here's the bad news of the outer layer. The outer layer of forgiveness is a layer of forgiveness that you deal with the most. It's a layer of forgiveness that you deal with the most. I was talking to a friend after church last night, Saturday night, we have services where people who deeply love Jesus actually come to church, but you got, you know, whatever, it's good for you. But there's just seats and parking and you can come if you love Jesus. If not, really, this is a fine hour. But I was talking to her after, after service uh, last night and she says, she asked me, she goes, how come it's easier for me to forgive this one big thing my dad did to us when, when we were little? He walked out on us. How come that's easier to me for, forgive than these bunch of little stuff my mom does? And I said, well, there's a bunch of reasons. We talked about it for a while. But I said, one of the reasons is you only have to forgive one thing. Like you can like concentrate on it, right? And so your dad did this one thing, your mom does these million things. You can hurt me deeply and we can like concentrate on that. You can get on my nerves all day, every day. It's another conversation, right? So it's the easiest layer to deal with, but it's the most prevalent one. It's what we deal with the most. Now, this is why dealing with the small stuff is such a big deal, ready? <clears throat> it's because of this, I firmly believe that when we talk about the big issues in our relationships, the big things in our friendships, our roommate, our husband, wife, whatever, when we talk about the big issues in our relationship, I firmly believe that most of the time, those big issues are not big issues, they're actually small issues. They're the accumulation of a bunch of small stuff, and then eventually there's a straw that breaks the camel's back. So a lot of times when we talk about like our marriage is falling apart, we're not talking about a big issue. We're talking about a bunch of small little things that have built up over time and then eventually something causes the camel's back to break. Let me show you how this works a little bit. I brought my little Lego family with me here this weekend. They travel with me wherever I go. So let's just think of it this way. Let's say that this is, uh, this is me. I, I just came home from the office where I often wear a, a blue jumpsuit. And, and so I come home from the office, it's summertime. By the way, this is all hypothetical. Everything I'm about to say is hypothetical. I've changed the names to protect the identity of the people involved. So hypothetically, let's just say it's summertime and there's a guy like this that has six kids and a wife. And he comes home from the office in the summertime and the kids have been have no responsibilities in the summertime. So they're just laying around, they're not getting an education, they're certainly not helping to pay the bills, you know what I mean? But anyways, they're just home, 
there and I come home from a hard day's work, right? So I walk into the door of my house and I've had a long day. I, I have lots of stress. I have a, a big staff that's very difficult to deal with. I have thousands of stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. I'm Moses. I'm Moses and I come home into my kitchen and my kitchen is a mess, right? My kitchen is a mess. So I think to myself, hmm, that's interesting. My kitchen is a mess. There are seven other able-bodied people that have been in the house all day accomplishing nothing and I come home to a messy kitchen, right? Now, that's a little thing, but I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna add that to my life, right? So I walk in and I've just picked up a Lego and I've slapped it on my head because I have a messy kitchen. And then my wife comes in and she comes in, she's tan and pretty, I'm jaundice. <laughs> so, Come in, and I'm like, hey, Heidi, how are you? And she's like, oh, I'm really good. I'm happy. Look at me. And, and I'm like, oh, honey, your hair is coming off. Let me just fix that. Get your weave back in place. And so Heidi, Heidi comes in, and she has her little purse in her hand. I'm like, what are you doing with your little purse there? And she's like, oh, I was shopping. Shopping? What were you shopping for? Oh, I went to get food. Which account did you use? I used that one account, the one I told you not. I can't believe you took the money out of the wrong account. And now I'm mad at her because she took the money out of the wrong account, right? Why do we need food? We just bought food last month. Well, the kids, they need to eat. All these kids, they don't need to eat. They can grow their own food. There's, they can eat insects and slugs and things like that, right? And so I'm adding up. And then I'm like, what's in your hand? What's that right there? It looks like a margarita glass. Have you been drinking? Are you drinking? And she's, oh, it's a protein shake. Is it the cheap protein from Walmart? Or is it, the, oh, it's the expensive stuff. I can't believe you bought the expensive stuff. It, this is ridiculous. I told you we're almost bankrupt because I have to pay people to clean my house. And so she, <laughs> you're being a jerk. I'm not, don't you disrespect me, right? So now, I just keep adding, and then your kids come in. This is all hypothetical. Remember, this doesn't happen for real. Your kid comes in, and you're like, oh, how, you look like a gold miner. How did you get in here? Dad, I need a ride. You need a ride where? I need a ride to go someplace to do a thing with a person. Well, why, I, why don't you take the truck? It doesn't have any gas. I told you to put gas in the truck. I can't believe you ungrateful kid. Well, Dad, it's my truck. You don't do anything around here. You're going to be a sluggard your whole life, right? And you take these little things, and they add up, and they add up, and they add up, and what happens is then there is a final blow up, right? The dog peed. What? I hate that dog. <laughs> How to put a diaper on that dumb dog? Who would have a dog like that, right? So you're, you're done then, right? And there's this blow up, and all of a sudden, all these things, the night is defined from a bunch of little things. Now, I'm not talking to Heidi and she's mad at me and you don't respect me and, rah, 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 and you're not gentle, change your tone. This is my real tone, right? And so you're, and then the kids are all upset, rah, rah, and now the family is not interacting and we have, we have a relational breakdown that stemmed from nothing. Just a bunch of little, you isolate any of those little things out, none of that is a big deal. And it piles up, right, and it breaks relationship. Now this happens all the time. And we'll, we'll talk about it, but we can't define it. So you, you'll ha you, have all kind, you have relationships in your life where you look back and you're like, hmm, we don't interact with those people anymore. And you do a post-mortem on that relationship, and when you look back, you can't find what killed it. it what, what happened? Yeah, I don't know. And we'll describe it, we'll say things like this. We'll say, yeah, 
yeah, we just don't spend a lot of time together anymore. I thought you guys were best friends. Yeah, we were, but we, something happened. No, we just don't spend much time together anymore. You can't find that. Nobody like lied, cheated, stole, no affair. Nothing. It just happened, right? We'll, we'll, go to, we'll go to divorce court this way. What's your cause for divorce? Eh, irreconcilable circumstances. What's that mean? Eh, it means we, we just fell out of love. Like you just woke up one day out of love. No, we just grew apart. She had separate interests. What are you talking about? Did he cheat on you? Is, was, some, was somebody unsafe? No, we just, you know. And it's a combination of little things. And they pile up and they suffocate a relationship. They'll kill a relationship. And I'm convinced it's, it's where the bulk of our relationships break. It's little things that we grab hold of and we add it up. The Bible calls it keeping a record of wrongs. I keep a record, I keep score. I let things accumulate and then there's finally, what? So why did you, why did you quit your job? Because my boss, he didn't have the right creamer. What? See, it's finally like this dumb little straw that breaks the camel's back. And when you say it out loud, it makes sense to no one, but because you've internalized and you've added and you've added and you've added. So God says something about this. Uh, He addresses it a little bit. Grab your Bibles, let me show you this. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. Page 816 in those Bibles. And if you wanna use your phone, uh, download our app. Go to the App Store, grab the Grace Church app there and hit live, and all the notes, all the verses will be right there on the app for you. Okay, Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Here it is. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here it is. That term, get rid of all, is a command in scripture, right? Because forgiveness is an act of the will, it's not an impulse of emotion. So God would say, yeah, use your will, decide to get rid of all. Literally, the, the, the picture is set it aside. You're carrying it, set it down. Take these little things in life, this first layer of forgiveness, take this first layer of forgiveness and decide that you are going to take that offense and you are going to decide to forgive it and set it aside and move on from it. It's a get rid of all. Now, the way that I said this was this. When we're talking about how do I unpack these little things so they don't accumulate into a big thing, because this happens to all of us, what do we need to do? I said it this way, you've got to let go of your Lego. You gotta let go of your Lego. If you wanna forgive, you gotta let go of your Lego. You're gonna remember, let go of your Lego. Later on, your wife's gonna look at you in the kitchen and say, you need to let go of your Lego. And then he's not gonna come to church with you again, so don't say that. But it's a, you gotta let go of your Lego. That's how you get rid of all. Now, how do we let go of it, all right? Let me walk you through the scripture here and I'll show you some things. How do you choose to pull the Lego off and set it aside so it doesn't accumulate and kill your relationship. Here's the first thing. You gotta search for a proper perspective. If you flip over to the right in your Bible a couple of pages to Philippians chapter two, 
Philippians chapter two, you're gonna look here and God tells us the perspective that we need to have in our relationships. Philippians chapter two, verse five, ready? Here it is, it's kind of in black and white. In your relationships with one another, it's right there. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, right? That's a perspective issue. In your relationships, have the same mindset or perspective. What was his perspective? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus' nature was that of a humble servant, and that's how Christ interacts with us. He humbles himself. The word humility means to lay aside one's perceived rights. So Jesus laid aside his rights, and he served us. And by the way, he keeps doing this. This isn't like a one and done thing. So Jesus will forgive you of your sin and save you from hell. Jesus keeps forgiving you of your sin and helps you to become more and more like him. The fancy word for that is sanctification. He makes you more and more like himself. He forgives you again and again and again and again. He lays aside his rights to hit you with a lightning bolt and serves you even to death on the cross. So the writer says, have that mindset when you're interacting with each other. The mindset of a humble servant. Now, if we rewind and we go back to the hypothetical kitchen situation we were talking about, when I walk into my kitchen, I can have a couple of perspectives. One that many of us would struggle with, I could have a very narcissistic perspective on my day. And that perspective would be this. I have had a long day. I work a lot. I am tired. I am the main financial provider of this home. I own this place. I have an expectation. I, it's very narcissistic. If I wanted to shift my perspective, for instance, I could humble myself. I could lay aside my perceived rights because in my mind, because of my day and what I do and how I provide, my perceived right is that I have the right to come home to a house set up the way I want it to be set up. I could lay aside that perceived right and become selfless, and when I do that, what happens is I start to remember that there are seven other individuals who had individual experiences throughout the day. And those individual experiences may or may not be tied to me. I could walk into the kitchen and I could say, it's not like Heidi to leave the kitchen a disaster. I wonder what happened in her day. I wonder where she got off schedule. I wonder what the kids were doing. I wonder if Heidi had them helping. It's amazing how that changes the perspective that I just walked into. I also could take the nature of a servant. So instead of walking into the kitchen and saying, I said, you better, I can't believe it, the world is gonna end. I could look and I could say, hmm, thank you, God, for this opportunity to serve my family <laughs> and to speak love and grace to my wife. It would change the whole night, see, because I started to let go of my Lego. Instead of adding it, I subtracted it. I got rid of all, see. 
and it alters. And a little deal stays a little deal and does not compound into a big deal. In fact, that little deal, 30 minutes later, we're not even remembering it. See, As opposed to three hours later, the running gun fight. See how that works? I change my perspective. It helps me to let go of my Lego. I have the mindset of Christ. Here's the second thing. If I want to let go of my Lego, let go quickly and go directly. Let go quickly and go directly. Ephesians chapter four, do not be angry and yet do, you can be angry but do not sin. It's a righteous anger. Here's the thing. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. If you've never heard that passage before, it's a really, really big deal and it's a great key for relationships. God literally says, don't Go to bed mad. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with the things that are frustrating you or that hurt you or that offended you and deal with them quickly. Why is that so important? Because if I go to bed with my head piled up with Legos, I will wake up with my head piled up with Legos and I will start to collect more Legos more quickly. It all snowballs on itself. When I go to bed grumpy with an unresolved matter, I will wake up grumpy with an unresolved matter and I will see the rest of my day through a multiple Lego perspective. When I let it go, right? Hey, hun, you know, I, I've asked you, th- you know, a bunch of times not to take the money from that account, to take it from that one. Can, can we really try to, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I just didn't have my, okay, done. As opposed to laying there all night, I can't believe she doesn't listen, she doesn't respect our finances, she doesn't respect me, I don't know what. It's amazing where your heart and mind will run over something dumb. And it's what winds up killing a relationship. So I let it go quickly and I go directly. What does go directly mean? Go directly means I look a person in the eye and we talk it through. I do not go to social media, for instance in our hypothetical post, right? To the people in my life who are not patient with me, I just want you to know. (laughs) Which, ladies, is what men hear when you're complaining about us. It's literally what we hear in our ear, right? To to my parents. (laughs) Which, teenagers, is what your parents hear as you complain about it, right? you don't go to social, you don't put it on Twitter, you don't go to your buddies, you don't call your girlfriends, and certainly don't get your mama involved. Just go to, it's not a big deal. So you go to a person, you, you let it go quickly, and you let it go directly. Now, that's all I'm gonna say about going directly because next weekend when we deal with the next level of forgiveness, we're gonna talk about how do you go to a person. The Bible actually lays that out real clearly for us. So we're gonna walk you through and like teach you how to do that where you can interact with a person that way, okay? So we'll just kind of pause it there and, and uh, deal with it like that, okay? So I'm gonna go quickly, I'm gonna go directly. Here's the third thing. As I'm letting go of my Lego, the third thing I'm gonna do is this. I'm going to be careful because I don't want to immediately assume that I'm the one that was wronged. Don't immediately assume that you're the one that was wrong. In other words, don't assume that you were actually offended. I love what the book of James says. If you flip to the right a few pages in your Bible, James chapter one, big, big passage, maybe a familiar one to some of you. Here it is, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not present the righteousness that God desires. It's a great thing. When I slow it down, see, and I get some perspective and, and I slow it down, it will help me know if an injustice has actually happened to me or not. When I am quick to listen, so to speak, so to become angry. So a couple months ago, flew home from Africa, been there for a couple weeks, 37 hour trip, it was miserable. Our team got food poisoning the day before we left, so just misery on the plane, airports. I had been awake for 37 hours. I had not eaten for over 40 hours. I was spared the sickness, but I was trying to help everybody else. So we finally get back, finally land in Akron. I'm waiting for Heidi to pick me up, and she's not there. Oh, I could not believe it. It was the end of the world. She's not there. Why isn't she here? Doesn't she know what I'm going through? I'm practically a biblical hero for what I just did for two weeks. I can't believe it. Why did I marry a Brazilian? They're never on time. God, why did you trap me in this marriage? I mean, it's just amazing, like, where your mind goes. And so finally, she pulls up. And in my mind, I'm like, I can't believe you are seven, eight minutes late, easy, right? And she pulls up, and I am, thank God, I was quick to listen, slow to speak. Hey, honey, we're... Boy, I was expecting you here. Yeah, sorry, sweetie. There was a car problem. There was a construction I didn't know about. And I tried to call you, but your phone's on airplane mode still. Oh, hey, baby, as long as you're here, I'm just, thanks for coming and getting me, right? <laughs> and it's like God just bails you out, right? In situations like that. Now, listen, this is huge. Guys, we have to remember every human being has a backstory. Every human being has a backstory. There are things going on in other people's lives that you don't know about. And when I have a narcissistic perspective that I actually think the world revolves around me even though my mom told me it didn't, when I am quick to listen, it's amazing how the backstory comes out and how quickly I can realize, oh, I actually don't have any business being upset. I was piling up handful of Legos, ready to slam them, like, oh, hey, baby traffic, car problem, right? You let go of your Legos really, really fast when you're quick to listen and you find out what else is going on. And a lot of times what you find out is, I should have never picked that thing up in the first place. Now here's the next one, ready? When we think about this and we think about Letting go of our Legos, here's the fourth thing. We gotta remember that Legos attach from both sides. Legos attach from both sides. If you just flip the page to James chapter four, verse one, look at it, fascinating. God asks this question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires to battle from within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You, do, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. God just looks and he says, what causes these fights? Isn't it you? No, it's all these things that they did to me. No, it's you. It's the desires that 
that battle within you. You want something, you're not getting it, and so it causes you to strike out in the way that you strike out. Now, you gotta remember that Lego's attached from both sides. I wrote this down in my notes. Here it is, ready? I said this, we are always doing to someone what we think they're doing to us. We are always doing to someone what, they, what we think they're doing to us. When you're being impatient with your kid, they're becoming impatient with your impatience. When that person is getting on your nerves, when, when, you're, when you're texting like crazy because you're mad at your friend, you're like, you gotta, you're gonna meet me at the movies and we're gonna miss the trailers. We're gonna miss the trailers. And you're, they're just getting on your nerves. You're getting on their nerves for your impatience too. You're always doing to someone what they're doing to us. And this is the idea. God comes and he says, aren't, aren't, isn't it really you? Isn't it, isn't it your lack of impatience that's causing their lack of impatience? Isn't that you have an expectation and so you're putting expectations on them? It, aren't you really the, the, the one that sparked it all off, right? Now here's the good news. When you forgive, when you let go of your Lego, guess what they'll do? A lot of times, they'll let go of theirs. So when you forgive, they'll forgive. It's fascinating. But God would look and say, Don't, let's not forget. This is really what's raging within you and that's what's causing the fights and the disagreements. And as you're slamming Legos on your head, you're causing them to slam Legos on their head. On the, on the reverse side, if you disarmed, they would disarm. If you let go of your Lego, they'll let go of theirs, right? Fifth and final thing goes all the way back to the first. Here's the last thing. If I wanna let go of my ego, I have to choose to forgive, and that's Paul's passage there. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. You let go of, get rid of all, and that's the act of the will. I'm gonna have a perspective, I'm gonna walk in, I'm gonna shift it around, I'm gonna remember these things. I don't want this stuff to pile up, so I'm going to let it go, right? I'm going to choose to forgive. Now, first layer of forgiveness, outside layer. Good news, it's the easiest one to deal with. Bad news, it's the one we deal with the most. Important information, it is often the layer that defines our relationships with people, right? So I have, a, I have a confession to make. I'm gonna publicly confess. I struggle with this. I struggle with little things driving me nuts. Heidi's nickname for me is Sparky because I, I rarely blow up about stuff, but I'm always a little ticked off about everything, right? And she's like, easy, Sparky. So she calls me Sparky, that's her nickname, you're not allowed to use it, so don't, okay? So that, <laughs> but it's true, and this is the problem with being Sparky like I am. I'm not a laid back person by any stretch of the imagination, right? I am a high-strung individual. The problem with being Sparky is this, that I will spark so much about little things that the people that I love won't understand that I love them, okay? 
So when I come in and I'm all fired up about a little thing, and my kids, I left before they left for school, so I haven't seen them all day, they got home before I got home, I come home and I walk in and I fire off about the 47 things that I instantly see when I walk in the door. I can't help it, God wired me that way. It's a strength that turns into a weakness. I see everything that's out of place wherever I walk in. And that's what I spark off about, and I walk in narcissistically, and I walk in selfishly, and I walk in impatiently. What I have just communicated to my kids is, if you do what I tell you to do, you can earn my love. If you want peace from me, you will fall under my control. And I, being sparky, upset about little things, accumulating my Legos, can easily communicate to my children that their love is, is something that they earn from me, right? I could easily communicate to Heidi that I don't get lost in the wonder and the joy of, of who she is. What I really care about is that she falls in line and does what I expect her to do. I could easily have friends that would believe that my friendship is conditional because if they fall out of line, I will flare up because I'm sparky. And it's never over something big. It's always over something little, but it's the little things that accumulate in my life and I will easily send the wrong messages to the people around me. Now I've learned this about myself. I learned it the hard way, right? Because I have people look at me and say, you know, I, I just, I know that you just don't want me around you anymore. I'll say, what are you talking about? I, I love you, I love being around you. Well, you're always mad about it. So I've learned this all the hard way. So I've taken these biblical principles and I've turned them into some questions that I, I kind of ask myself a lot. So there are questions like this. You can write these down if you want. It's helped me a ton. So in my sparkiness, I will ask myself questions like this. Would I want to deal with me? If I was dealing with me, would that be the best part of my day or the worst part of my day? If I was my boss, because I have a bunch of people that work for me, if I was my pastor, if I was my customer, if I was my waiter, would I want to deal with me? And, and if, if interacting with me, would, I, would it be the most encouraging part of your day if you were dealing with me? or the most discouraging part. If you were dealing with me, would, you be, would, would I express vision and encouragement into your life or discouragement into your life? Would I spur you on to love and good deeds or would I cause you to feel frustrated like you can never please me? Would I want to deal with me? Another way that I ask this question, these are just my personal grid, so you have to personalize this a little bit. My personal grid, because I'm a dad, I ask myself this question, would I want to be my dad? Would I want to be my dad? If I was my dad, would I know how to win with me? Because my dad says he loves me, my dad says he wants these big things for me, but he's always ticked off about how my room is. My dad says he believes in me, my dad says that he, he just wants me to serve God, but he's really always honked off that I bring home C pluses instead of B minuses. Would I want to be my dad? If I was my dad, could I, could I win? Here's a big one that I asked. We have, Heidi and I have five boys and one princess. So my little girl, man, she walks on water with me. She's got me wrapped around all 10 of her fingers and her toes. Like I just, 
love the world out of her. So I ask myself this, this question a lot. Would I want my daughter to be married to me? Would I want my daughter to be married to me? If I was my own son-in-law, would I be pleased with the way that you were leading, loving, and serving my princess? Or would I be on my way to prison for killing you? Because you were never good enough to marry her anyways, right? And I'll take that and I'll look at my relationship with Heidi and I'll think, man, if I was watching my son-in-law interact with my wife the way that I am right now, would I want that for Naomi? Would I want my daughter to be married to me? And then here's the last thing I, I think about all the time. If these were my last words, would you know that I loved you? If these were my last words. That's a big one to me. My, my kids, even Heidi teased me a little bit, because I won't let you off the phone with me or out of my presence. I won't let you leave the house unless I say I love you. Like, I'll hunt you down and tell you that I love you. Now, there's a reason, right? Because when I lost my mom, I talked to her on the phone, and I never talked to her again. She died in her sleep. She was only 69. I had, I had no idea. So when I talked to her, I never talked to her again, and it, like, drilled into my head. I'm like, I, it is... Everyone who's ever lost someone never expected to lose them. So I have that in my brain all the time, right? So if, if you were my, my teenage sons who are driving and you got into the car, would I want my last words to be to you, listen, when you take my car, put the seat back. Would I want that to be the last words I ever spoke to you? See? If you're Heidi and you're leaving the house and, and something happened and I lost you, this happens to people all the time. What I want my last words to be, we are going to be late. See? If I'm pulling out of the driveway and my little eight-year-old is running around, what I want my last words to him to be, get your bike out of the landscaping. And all of a sudden, you start asking questions like that, it, it takes these little Legos and it puts them in a, a real perspective in your life. Because compared to losing Heidi, being late all the time is not an issue. In fact, I used to find it quaint and attractive. It's only recently it gets on my nerves. Compared to never seeing my son again, I really could care less, does he push the power button on the seat or do I push the power button on the seat? Did that four and a half seconds really matter? If I were to never see my son Eli again, do I, do I actually in life care if my mulch is messed up? But what do I communicate? Well, the more Legos I slap on, the more I communicate that that's actually what drives our relationship. See? So all of a sudden, it, a simple, kind of a, a light skimming of Scripture, which is really what we, we did this weekend, see, how it kind of adds up. It adds up to defining how we interact with each other and even defining how we interact with God. Now, I actually wondered myself, as I was getting ready for our talk this week, I wondered to myself, I thought, 
why is this a big deal to God? Like, why is it a big deal to God? It seems like there's a lot of big deals. Why would this be a big deal to God? And this is, I think, part of what I've come to. I believe that part of why God says get rid of all, why he would say let go of, the, of your Lego, of the small stuff, I actually believe it's practice and bandwidth for the big stuff. So if I can't, if I can't get over you not being on time to have coffee f- with me, if that's gonna drive a wedge between us relationally, what in the world am I gonna do when we actually have an issue in our lives? If I, if, I can't, if I can't let go of these little things, how in the world am I ever gonna have a big thing? And listen, if you interact with another human being in any way, shape, or form, you're gonna have a big thing. It's the way, what we are best at is hurting each other and sitting against one another. It's our nature to do that. It's going to happen. So letting go of little things, what that does is it causes us to pick up a habit, an instinct, so that when I actually have to deal with a real crisis in my life, that is my reflex, my instinct to quickly and directly forgive. The other thing that letting go of the little stuff does is it gives us some bandwidth. Because when I clog myself up with a bunch, a bunch of Legos over really, really dumb stuff, then what happens is when a big stuff, big thing happens, there is no room left for me to forgive. If I already am mad at you and you already annoy me and I already don't like you and I'm already thinking about how my life would be better without you in it, then when something big happens, you just gave me the excuse that I was looking for. If I'm forgiving you and loving you, something big happens, I'm looking for ways to stay in this marriage, stay in this friendship, stay in this family instead of finally getting my exit, my ticket for freedom. And all these little things, and they turn in. So God says, yeah, Lego your Lego, get rid of it. Set it aside. It's not that big of a deal. Let's not live life for it. And let's move on. Now I got you, uh, I got you guys a present. I bought everybody a present this weekend, all right? So around the auditorium, there are these silver cans. There's some here in the front row, and they're all through the seats. I got you, grab them. Somebody grab those cans, right? I got you Legos. I got you Legos for Christmas, okay? And I want you guys to pass those cans around and I want everybody to take a Lego, all right? I want you to take a Lego home with you. I want you to keep it in your pocket and I wanna assign some spiritual significance to this little piece of plastic. When you have that Lego in your pocket or when you see that Lego or when you reach for your phone and you hit the Lego instead, I want you to remember to let go of your Lego. I know it's cheesy, but you will remember it, right? And I want you to take that home with you. I have had people walking out this service and I'm like, did you get your Lego? And one guy was like, I got seven of them. (laughs) I'm like, I think you're stealing at this point. But anyways, right? Or you have anger issues, which is another conversation we need to get to. But I want, pass those around, grab a Lego. I want, guys, I want you to let go of your Lego. It's the, it's the, the, the lightest form of what we're gonna talk about. It's the outside layer. And it is the one that you will interact with the most. And you will spend more time relationally letting go of your Legos than you will ever spend dealing with deep, deep wounds, okay? Because these are the things that are most prevalent in your life. Now, 
This is why this is a big deal and why I want you to go home with a Lego. It's things like this, ready? As a dad, I'm a dad. As a dad, I am not called to make sure my kid's room is clean and they get A minuses in class. I am called to present the heart and the mind of Christ in me, through me, to them. I'm not called to deal with the little stuff. I'm called to present the big stuff. As a friend, if I'm your friend, my calling in your life as a friend is not to get you places on time or roommate, clean up your underwear, good night. It's not my calling. My calling is to encourage you and to spur you on to love and good deeds in Christ. As a husband, my husband, my, as a husband, my relationship with Heidi is not to de-Brazilianize her and Americanize her, right? Because Americans are on time, right? That's not what, that's not my calling. My calling is to present her to Christ without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish spiritually. Me accumulating Legos throws me off all of those things. Me letting go of my Lego gives me the bandwidth relationally to actually do what I'm called to do, to actually serve the purposes that God placed me in her life, my kid's life, your life to serve, okay? So take your Legos home, let go of your Lego. When you find that Lego, if you got little kids, when you step on that Lego in the middle of the night and you wanna put your kids on eBay, I know that feeling, right? (laughs) Every time you interact with a Lego, it's gonna remind you, I'm gonna let go of my Lego. I'm going to, ready? Forgive. I'm gonna forgive and we're gonna deal with that outside layer and we'll go deeper from there, okay? All right, in a minute I'm gonna pray. Keep passing your Legos around. As I pray, what I want you to do is I want you to ask God to show you where you're accumulating your Legos. And I want you to ask God to help you begin to release those things and start with the outside layer, the easiest layer but the most prevalent one, the outside layer of forgiveness. And as I pray, the band will come in and we'll spend some time focused on God, all right? Pray with me. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. God, I pray that as we wrestle with these small things in life, that we will remember that they add up to the big things in life. And Jesus, thank you that you interact with us this way. You sanctify, you're sanctifying us. You're helping us to become more and more like you. And Lord, that's what we wanna do. We wanna let go of stuff so that you show up more and more in our life and in our relationships. God, I know it's, it's kind of a funny thing to talk about, but it's, it's a big deal and we need your help. And we need you to, to show us where to draw boundaries, where to draw lines. God, we're not called to enable, we're not called to be pacifists, we're not called to release everybody from consequences, but we are called to love and to forgive like you. And so we need you to help us with that and you to cause that to make sense. So guide us every step of that way, God. As we spend some moments here praying and thinking, Lord, bring to mind where we're making the big deals out of little ones. Help us to release them back to you and heal the relationships. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.